we can get started. Um, so good morning. Um, my name is Ryan White. I'm the director of trade initiatives at the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Um, and uh, today we'll be talking about mostly marine highways. Um, I'll also give you an update on Freight NYC, which was the uh, city's uh, freight plan that was released uh, last summer uh, in July of 2018. Um, just quickly on sort of run of show, I'm going to walk through these slides for about five to ten minutes, and then I'm going to pass it off to my colleagues to my left uh, to talk about what they do. Um, I just want to mention Del Babish is with uh, the Red Hook Container Terminal uh, LLC as uh, the general manager and executive vice president, and Tiffany Torrey um, is the president of uh, Tory Enterprise LLC. And so uh, when I'm finished, I'm going to pass it off to them. Uh, they'll talk for a few minutes, and then we'll uh, open it up to questions. Does that sound good? Great. Um, so actually, do I have a, uh, a slide thing? Do you have a? Uh, ah, thank you. Um, so, really quickly, um, what was Fred NYC? Um, it was a uh, key element of New York Works, which was Mayor de Blasio's jobs plan. Um, uh, and it uh, was allocated $100 million in city capital to modernize New York City's freight network, um, which is a lot of money. I know that you know, there's a greater need for uh, investment across the country, but it's a great start for us in, in the city. Uh, goals include creating about 5,000 jobs in distribution, freight logistics, uh, which we know are good paying jobs across the city. Uh, the plan is meant to reduce congestion, improve air quality, uh, and we want to achieve these goals through various strategies uh, uh, that are seen as um, holistic, comprehensive, that sort of thing. So through maritime investments, which I'll get into in a minute, rail investments, urban distribution, and also last mile. Um, so the elements, uh, we first thought, how do we change how freight's getting into the city in the first place, uh, thinking about maritime investments. So there's a, been a, a real push to uh, invest in uh, new maritime infrastructure. I'll just mention two of the, the big issue or two of the big um, elements that came out of the Freight NYC announcement were the development of a new marine terminal in the South Bronx. Um, which we are currently uh, in discussions with several respondents on developing for us. Um, it's very exciting. Uh, the new marine terminal would serve the Hunts Point Food Distribution Center, which is the nation's largest wholesale food center. Um, and so that, uh, that key project is moving forward, and we're very excited about that. And when we see that facility as being served by barge, whether it's a uh, low, low service, a row, row service, so it could be containers, it could be trucks, it could be palletized cargo. Um, the other uh, key maritime play for us was the creation of this uh, North Atlantic Marine Highway Alliance, uh, or NEMA, um, which was that group uh, mentioned to uh, collectively work together on short sea shipping. Uh, so that group has met uh, several times uh, here in New York, uh, the group went up to Portland, Maine, um, and we are now um, uh, scheduling a meeting down in D.C. with the help of our Gateway Director, Jeff Flumigan of the Maritime Administration. So the group is definitely meeting. Um, we're we're uh, 
looking at different opportunities. One of those is um, uh, we have uh, retained um, a group that's going to help us uh, assess different uh, trade lanes. Uh, we generally know that the, far the farther you go, the better. Um, but uh, you know that group has met, and, and we're excited about uh, where it's going. Basically, I can't I can't get into too many details of this, of course. But but um, it's exciting the fact that uh, we think the time has come for this, and um, you know it does take a group effort, and so the members are are certainly uh, committed to moving forward. Um, Rail, just briefly, we're developing new transload facilities in Brooklyn and Queens with our partners, um, the Long Island Railroad and New York and Atlantic Railway, who operates the freight trains on Long Island. Um, and so those facilities will be coming online uh, soon. Um, with urban distribution, thinking about modernizing a lot of the building stock in New York City, uh, given where e-commerce is moving, we recognize that uh, the building stock is not uh, keeping up with what uh, a modernizing supply chain need supply chain needs, and so we're we're making investments there. And then finally, thinking about clean trucks. Um, as as trucks are leaving these facilities, are they clean? Um, do they have places to charge if need be? Um, as well as for for long haul truckers as they're coming into the city, uh, you know, identifying places where they can refuel is is really important. So we're thinking about all of these things. Um, and I won't get into all of it, but uh, just wanted to mention that. So this is um, actually Hunt's Point. Apologies for the, for the image. It's not that great. It's a little old, actually. But it basically shows the Hunt's Point Peninsula itself, along with um, some of the, some of the, uh, the markets. There's a, there's a produce market, a meat market, um, and a fish market. There's also uh, many large businesses that have distribution centers there. So we see an opportunity to serve these locations um, from this area. Um, the next slide is, as I mentioned, uh, the North Atlantic Marine Highway Alliance. This is that group um, that meets every couple months, actually, to uh, identify these opportunities. It includes members from Maine down to Virginia, um, including port authorities, equipment providers, service operators, and terminal, terminal operators. Um, so uh, in the coming weeks, uh, we will be going out to our respective port districts to identify BCOs that would want to make this switch from, from trucking to barge. Uh, we'll also be reaching out to ocean carriers as well, given that they're a key element of this. So more information on that to come. And I believe that's all I've got. Okay. So I'm going to turn it over to Dell, who's going to speak for a few minutes about the Red Hook Container Terminal, which is a key part of this as we move forward. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. My name is Dell Bobish. I'm going to give you guys a, a quick overview of what Red Hook Terminal is. Red Hook Terminal is, we are the smallest terminal of the big six terminals that are in the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. We like to consider ourselves like a, a little niche terminal. We target cargo that is due east of the Hudson. Um, right now we have two weekly services from Seaboard Marine, from South America and the different islands. Um, and the unique thing about our, our, our terminal is these services will come into the, to our facility, we'll unload the vessels. We have a lot of reefer cargo, a lot of produce, a lot of fruits and vegetables. It'll come off the ship. On site we have a customs warehouse 
containers will be inspected, AQI, agriculture quarantine inspection. Everything will be released, and out the gate it will go to the local markets like the, um, that are targeted for Brooklyn, Long Island, Queens. Any of the cargo that is destined for the New Jersey side, we will barge across the harbor. So <clears throat> the short sea shipping concept um, is, is kind of new for everybody, but Red Hook Terminal has been doing it probably for about 25 years right now already. So any of the cargo that originates in New Jersey that is due for, for Brooklyn, we'll barge it over. Any of the cargo that will discharge in the Brooklyn area, um, we'll discharge it in Brooklyn, get the, everything inspected, and then we'll barge it over New Jersey. So we help reduce all the truck traffic um, over the bridges um, that, that come into, the, uh, come into um, our area. We also have a bi-weekly service um, we, where we export cars, a lot of used cars, different things of that nature, um, to Haiti. And then we also do um, a bi-weekly service with CMA for a lot of the liquor that comes into the New York area. So the vessel will come in, she'll discharge 200 containers of Heineken, for example, um, and that Heineken, uh, uh, those, that cargo will go directly into the local warehouses. So that's pretty much the overview of what we do. Um, like I said, it's probably about four, four to five barges a week that we go back and forth to New Jersey. And we're looking to open that up and get more cargo that comes in from the bigger players, the APMs, the PNTTs, the, the Mars of the world. Instead of having that cargo trucked across, we'd rather barge it across and have it picked up in Red Hook. Any questions? Thank you. Oh, go ahead. Excellent question. So pending on the weight of the containers, right? So a, a typical barge will load about 180 containers, 40-foot um, containers. Depending on the split, 20, 40, or the weight, sometimes we get a lot of copper loads from South America or a lot of uh, the heavy reefer loads, and it, it may drop down um, a little bit. But if I'm repositioning empties, I can get up to 240 containers. But typically, the average would be about 180 containers. So it's one tugboat that will bring it across so we save all the emissions and the environmental um, by, by loading those barges that way. So cost-wise, that's an excellent question. I've worked on a lot of different models over the cost. Cost is probably very close to the same um, for the actual trucker or for the broker or the, or the importer or the shipper. Um, the, the problem that we find, I'll be uh, honest, is the speed of it, right? It's always a lot quicker to send a truck in to pick that box up from one spot to the next and get it where it has to go. Um, but environmentally and uh, overall cost, if you do it in volume, the cost would be cheaper. So if you're a Heineken of the world and you want to barge 150 containers over, obviously it's a lot cheaper for a Heineken, or if you're doing that much of a volume, than somebody that has one or two containers. It depends on the final destination, from, from Newark to Brooklyn, under $500. And I know to truck it is probably around $800 from Newark to Brooklyn right now. 
Uh, yeah, you said the um, one of the issues is time. Correct. Uh, so if that container is coming from, let's say, uh, the terminal in Elizabeth, New Jersey, or Newark, if it's coming straight across the harbor, I mean, I know the barge only goes, you know, 12 or 15 knots, but compared to taking it all the way over the Verrazano Bridge and, uh, you know, why is it um, not time competitive in terms of time? And also, what about the dwell time that the containers sit at the port? Is it not quicker to consolidate those containers, put it onto the barge? I, I, is there not ways to make the time even more competitive than a truck? Absolutely, right? And I agree with everything you're saying. What, what happens is a lot of the, the customers, now I just you know, throw out any distribution center, a lot of times it comes off the ship right to the distribution center, right into the store. So they want their cargo quickly. If you're going to barge it, it'll come off a vessel, go into yard, you'll store it, you'll set it up. Now you'll load the barge. It may take four hours to load the barge. The transit time is only two hours. From Newark to Brooklyn is, is, is a two-hour thing. But now once it gets in Brooklyn, I have to unload it. The gate may be closed, and now that it's the next day. So you could go into a 24-hour period rather than... We have to change the culture of the way we do things. So, so I'm noticing a lot of the bigger shippers, a lot of, um, I don't want to throw any, any names out, but they're, they're getting it, right? They want to be environmental friendly because it, it, it is the way to do it. And it, it, overall, the more volume you have, the, the cost will drop. But the hot cargo that has to get to the store shelf, it's, it's not set up right now for that. That's what we're trying to change. Go ahead. Yeah, just one more question, then we're going to have Tiffany next. Thanks. So you talked about this, uh, the time delay with uh, logistics, essentially. Would investing more into the port itself, getting bigger or more automated cranes and loading patterns help uh, reduce that drag time? Absolutely. Absolutely. And have you done studies on what that cost would be and what those specific machinery and systems would have to be? I, I've done a bunch of studies and I'm involved in a bunch of studies. Um, uh, so that's, that's exactly what we'll be looking at over the next few months is we'll be doing um, a demand analysis, a uh, supply analysis after that, and then we'll look at a, a total cost model in terms of what it's going what it, what to cost to activate these lanes. Uh, both from an equipment standpoint, but also uh, operationally. So, and, and just the last follow-up, uh, specifically on that, and as part of that cost analysis, is it going to take into factor the less wear and tear on the actual roads? And absolutely, yeah. There's a there's going to be a public benefits. Uh, actually, the Maritime Administration has a public benefits model that we're going to run through. So it shows the public benefits include in terms of congestion reduction, job job creation, that sort of thing. And actually, it does segue into Tiffany's. Uh, part of this, so I don't know if you wanted to. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. All right, so you guys are jumping into my presentation here. You keep talking. I'm not going to have anything to talk about. Um, anyway, my name is Tiffany Tory. I am president and CEO of Tory Enterprises. Uh, I do a lot of work with Dell and with Ryan. Um, my specialty is marine projects and maritime and transportation grants. So what I do is I help a lot of maritime stakeholders and transportation companies put together grants to get funding from the federal government or the state government to help implement these projects that we're talking about, just such as the Marine Highway. Uh, I'm actually very involved in Marine Highway. I do sit on the NAMHA committee. And uh, I just want to give you a little bit more detail about the Marine Highway program. 
it is a program, well, first of all, has anyone ever actually, not talking about barging but and short sea shipping, heard of the Marine Highway Program itself? Okay, so most of you have. So it is a, um, thank you. It is a program that is sponsored and funded by the Maritime Administration, and it does. It promotes short sea shipping. There are several marine highways around the country, and basically a marine highway is a highway for these barges and for these vessels to transport the cargo, just like you have highways on the road. You have them up and down the East Coast, the Gulf Coast, the Caribbean, around Alaska, Hawaii, uh, Samoa, and the Inland Rivers. And so what Merritt has done has put together this program to help these different businesses and terminal operators and shippers move their cargo without having to truck it. Because like the question that the gentleman in, in the back had about uh, time, why isn't it, a, you know, why doesn't it save time as well? It also depends on the, the final destination. You know, Dell brought up good points about the operation side delaying time, but if you have a container that's going from New, New York, say Brooklyn, up to Portland, Maine, it's actually going to be quicker to truck it than to have it go by barge. Uh, however, when you look at the other benefits of Marine Highway, a lot of these shippers are considering uh, barging it instead, especially if it's not time-sensitive cargo. Uh, for instance, having these containers go via barge, um, it reduces the number of trucks on the road, especially in the Northeast along the I-95 corridor. We've all traveled through Connecticut, and that whole area can be real tough. And, and, and actually, in other parts of the country, you've been in the Northwest, in Seattle, and whatnot, traffic can be a mess, California. And so you try to get these trucks off the road to reduce congestion. Um, you also have uh, highway maintenance cost reductions. And that's where you see, I think, the biggest uh, number delta comparing highway cost. If you truck all these containers, like say you truck 200 containers and the cost to truck so to barge 200 containers, that highway maintenance savings is phenomenal. It is multi-millions of dollars that these states save by getting these trucks off the road. Um, you obviously, you have the obvious emission reductions. A lot of people think that uh, vessel emissions and tugboat emissions is higher than trucks. Well, yes, if you have one tugboat versus one truck, then the tug is going to have a greater amount of emissions than the one truck. But if you have 180 containers on a barge, compared to the one tugboat, compared to 180 trucks, well, you're obviously, you're, you're reducing emissions by utilizing the vessel. Um, traffic safety, you get these trucks off the road, it's safer for personal automobiles. And the cost, the, the key to using this system is to make sure that the cost of transporting the containers on these barges is cheaper than trucking them. And that is the responsibility of the shippers and the terminal operators to make sure we keep these costs down, and the way you keep the costs down is to have enough containers on the barge. So the more customers that you get utilizing this service, the lower the cost. Any questions so far? So one thing Merad has done to help incentivize this program is they offer something called a Marine Highway Grant. So if you are a public entity, a city, a county, a port authority, you can submit an application for a marine highway designation for a project. And that is something that Red Hook has done a handful of times with uh, different entities. They actually have uh, at least three. Mm -hmm. 
marine highway designations. One is the Cross Harbor Barge Service that you already spoke about that runs between Brooklyn and Newark. And they're looking to add a third destination, hopefully in the near future, that's also over in Newark. Uh, they're also involved in the New York, New Jersey to the Port of Davisville container on barge service. And Davisville is up in Rhode Island and it's sponsored by the Quonset Development Corporation, Secor, and Red Hook. And then the third one they're involved in is the most recent one that has been designated in the last couple months is New York, New Jersey to Bridgeport, Connecticut. And again, that's a uh, container on barge service. It's actually a row, we're looking to have it as a roll-on, roll-off service where trucks can drive right up on the barge. The vessel, the containers are secured directly on the chassis. The vessel goes to, or the barge goes to Bridgeport or back to Brooklyn, whichever direction. And the driver jumps on and drives it right off and takes it to its final destination. Very time efficient. Um, that is sponsored by the Connecticut Port Authority, Red Hook and McAllister Towing. Now, the benefits of having of one type of service over another, the barge service in Davisville would be one of the services that Dell spoke about, having a lot of containers on a barge, load on, load off, where these barges that we're talking about using are quite a bit bigger than the ones you guys utilize. They're talking about having three, maybe even 400 containers on a barge. So obviously, that is a very cost-efficient method of transportation along with emission reduction whereas the row row service can only fit about 35 to 40 containers, but that's going over a much shorter distance, so you can have multiple runs during the week. So it becomes almost just as efficient. Any other questions so far? Yes, sir. Yes. Are you, are you looking at possible triangulation to Long Island? Possibly. It is possible. One thing about these designations, there is, uh, there is some flexibility with them. When you put them together, you try to have a crystal ball and think about how the service can grow and where it can take you. And so you try to take that into account when you put together your projects. Um, another thing that I didn't get to, to talk about is Marad, once you get a project designation, uh, Marad then will allow you to apply for grant funding for infrastructure projects and for capital equipment, cranes, trucks, rower ramps, whatever you may need to help uh, get your service either up and running, expand it, or improve it. I'm sorry, and the key to a successful destination would be to have return cargo, because then the cost could dramatically drop. So when you target um, the, the Northeast, there's a lot of cargo that will come back. Long Island, maybe, I'm not sure what, you know, maybe some aggregate, different things like that, but you have to have return cargo, and then you can dramatically drop the cost. Yes, sir. Uh, right now, there is no minimum or maximum. I'd say the average grant, it really depends on the project and how much money Congress has allocated for that fiscal year. Projects usually range from anywhere from 100,000 to perhaps a million, maybe a touch more. There's usually um, less than $10 million available, and I know Merritt is working very hard to increase that number. And they yeah. usually fund about five to 10 projects a year. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, now, all of the state of Connecticut, there's no container service currently. So if you're bringing all those containers to Bridgeport, what about Norwalk? What about Stanford, uh, Port Chester, Mount Vernon, 
all those places that have barge infrastructure that were built around uh, maritime uh, shipment, uh, you know, as well as New London, New Haven, why have you guys considered taking a tug with a tow of 15 barges, just as the barges that we have on the Mississippi River, and simply dropping off those barges at a number of different destinations? Because if you serve those very local markets, you can take way more trucks off the road, and I believe that you could do it, you know, far more economically. The, the problem is a lot of the people who own those properties don't want to get involved with containers. So all, all the places that you're referring to, some people, like in Bridgeport, they want to get involved with containers. Other places do not want to get involved with containers. There's, there's some areas that some of the owners do, some don't. So I'll just add that as part of the North Atlantic Marine Highway Alliance, Connecticut Port Administration, they're on that alliance. So we've been engaging with them on identifying those opportunities. It's probably going to be maybe one or two locations in Connecticut. It's probably not going to be all of them. Um, you know, you, you start to run into the issue of are you slowing down a service that needs to be faster, depending on the commodity. So, we're we're having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you port hop when they're close together like that, the economics don't always work, and the the time just doesn't always work. So you're better off having perhaps a destination in the western part of the state and the eastern part of the state as opposed to to barge hopping. Sure. Uh, yes. So if you had uh, a tow of 15 barges, can you not simply drop them off? It's, it's not that simple. I wish it were. Like in the rivers, it is. In the rivers, you have uh, a lot of waterfront property that's available. A lot of these places in Connecticut and other areas of the Northeast, the property availability for, I should say, the berth size in which you can get a vessel alongside, whether it's the length of the berth or the depth alongside the berth, it doesn't always um, work for, like, say you have a tug and four barges. You might be able to get a tug and one barge there, maybe two, but you can't get the rest. So what do you do with the rest? It just, it, it's, it's, um, there's a lot more to it when you're talking about maritime infrastructure and, you know, you're talking about the time it takes just to get the, the tugs alongside. You get, get the tug, have the tug come in alongside. It takes time to tie up the tug. And then you have to get the containers off the tug. And then you have to get the tug untied and they have to get underway again. In some areas, you have to transit slower than others. Or just use the harbor tugs to come out and fetch it from the main tug. <laughs> One thing I'll add is that, um, what we see is the best, so, so nothing's moving now, but one, one thing that we're looking at is identifying a single anchor user uh, that is operating you know, in the North Atlantic that um, has a commodity that doesn't need to move quickly. It can move from like one location to, whether it's Maine or, or wherever, Massachusetts, down to New York City, um, and then identify a backhaul. We think that it, once that anchor user is found, that anchor user takes on a little bit of risk, sends a signal to the market that this is a thing, and then slowly you'll see others sort of piling onto the service, and then you get those economies of, economies of scale that you want to get. So I think it's just a matter of finding that, that anchor user that's willing to take a bit of a risk, to be honest, so. Yeah, that's correct, because the more users you have, the more cost-effective it's going right. to be, and the more users you have, it's just gonna drive down the cost per container, and so the customers are ultimately gonna experience the savings. So I think we are out of time, but I, I think we may still have some time for questions, though. I know we're past 10.15, but there's a clock that's not 
at zero yet, so. <laughs> I guess that means we can keep taking questions. Yes? I don't know. Yes? It's a question, but I've attended a number of these seminars, and the projection of the amount of container traffic on the roads in I-95 in a few more years will be so great that the time frame, I mean, you're talking about today's time frame of getting a truck, but in 2022, you may not get that truck to, to Bridgeport. Right. So, in energy reasons. So, as we get more congested highways, your time frame gets more economical. Right, and aside from the, the highway congestion that we're forecasting, um, you know, if the gas tax does go up, it starts to make trucking less competitive and you'll start to see perhaps more of an incentive to switch to barging. So there's... Absolutely, right. Yeah. And the shortage of truck drivers to top it all off. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? So, just a follow-up. Yeah. The Connecticut Port Authority is developing all the ports of the New Haven and Bridgeport, et cetera, et cetera, even Stanford, and accommodating a number of barges in that little waterway there. Are they, do they have a, I mean, obviously they have a massive plan to create more infrastructure, and you answered why Bridgeport perhaps is more amenable because they're willing, but are there others who are becoming willing? Yeah, I mean, I think that now that this sort of entity has been has been created, it's, you know, uh, it's signaling that the, the Port of New York and New Jersey, between EDC and the Port Authority, uh, we're taking this seriously, and it's something that we know is only going to be needed more in the future, and so I think as, as, as uh, this group has been created, it's, it's drawn others into this, so it's, it's pretty exciting, actually. And New Haven and New London. New Haven and New London are, uh, are aggressively pursuing this as well, yes. So I can't speak for uh, DOT on that, uh, but it's you know it's been a intervention that's been proposed elsewhere, and I think it's happening up in Rhode Island, for example. Um, I think with the the new uh, fair tolling plan that's going up, um, I think that they're going to be looking at something like that. So I, I can't speak too much of it myself. So apologies about that. But I think I think we've got to cut the cut the time. But thank you all for attending. Thanks to Dell and thanks to Tiffany. <laughs>